Okay, so we welcome you back. Now let's get straight into the program. As we did say before we went for the break, that the first segment for today we're going to be we are going to be discussing all about planning, how to be a better planner. Now, Muftis, I will take us through this discussion, but uh, let's start off firstly by understanding uh, the importance of planning. So, Muftis, uh, you know, as we said, uh, you know, they, they, they very often say that if you fail to plan, then you have uh, uh, then uh, uh, then you have planned to fail because you know you can't really achieve anything without having a plan in place. So if Muftisab can start off the discussion and explain to us as well as the listeners why is planning so important? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. When we look at the famous incident of Nabi Musa going to the Pharaoh to present his message for the first time and uh, when he was given this task, there were certain doubts that came to his mind. And, you know, his ability to deliver the message, uh, how will he deliver it, possible objections that they will make to him. Uh, so therefore he made the dua and he said, Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. That, oh my Lord, oh my Rabb, expand my chest. Make easy my task, remove the obstacles in my speech, the impediments, so that they may understand what I'm saying. Uh, and make my brother Harun a means of strength for me. So in this, there's three things here that we can see. Nabi Musa Islam, he was preparing himself for the dawah to call to Allah. Uh, you know, crucial to a productive and successful dawah is the strength of the individual's knowledge, wisdom, and sincere faith. Uh, so that is the first thing. The second element of Nabi Musa Islam's planning was the communication problem. The presentation may have been uh, a speech impediment that Musa Islam had, or it may be the difference in language or, you know, the customs between the tribes of the, of the people, the Kiptis and uh, the Israelites in it. And uh, then the last thing here was Musa Islam looked at it from a logistical point of view, human element, tools required, and for this he asked for his brother, Nabi Harun to be to support him. So he looked ahead and he looked at what was required for the task and what does he require and then he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist him with those things. So this is obviously planning, looking ahead and seeing what is it that you require and then to also, uh, you know, to respond to that. If we look at the incident of when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent uh, Sayyidina Mu'az bin Jabal who was young at that time to Yemen to call the people to Islam. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, Oh Mu'az, how will you judge amongst the people? And he said, Bikitabillah, with the book of Allah. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, What if you don't find it in the book of Allah? Then he said, Bisunnati Rasulillah, according to the Sunnah of the Messenger. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, What if you don't find it in the Sunnah? And Sayyidina Mu'az said, I will make ijtihad through my judgment and I will make a decision based on my judgment. So, you know, this incident shows us that Sayyidina Mu'az was being sent on a mission to call people to Allah, but he wasn't going without a plan. Uh, Nabi Salsalam didn't just put him in the deep end and say, figure it out and it will all work out and taqdeer will unfold. He sent him with a plan. In fact, Nabi Salsalam asked him what you're going to do uh, to make sure that he had a plan. And Sayyidina Mu'az bin Jabal was from the planners of this ummah. Uh, he became one of the most knowledgeable and very wealthy men too. And at the end of his life, he became one of the leaders of the Muslims in Sham, in Syria. And, uh, you know, uh, this is because of 
the acumen, the, the taqwa that Allah had granted him. So what we learn from these two incidents that we've shared with you is the importance of planning and why this is supposed to be an integral part of our lives. Jazakallah so much, Mufti Sahib. Some really practical and some very, very beautiful examples that Mufti Sahib has cited for us in explaining why is planning so important. Practical examples and uh, beautiful examples from the life of Nabi Akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam. From examples from the lives of the Sahaba radhiyallahu and uh, we can certainly understand how important it is to plan. Um, the, 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 the next important question is why do we often make a wrong estimation about how long a task will take? And that's you know in part of the planning we just get that entire estimation wrong. Yeah, often we find ourselves you know saying it. I thought I had enough time for this. Mm. Or, you know, I don't know why I'm always running late. Uh, so this is like a never-ending loop uh, that uh, evidence is showing that the what is termed as the uh, the planning fallacy, the planning fallacy, and uh, there is some sort of a hiccup in this uh, that uh, we find that it's becoming common. Uh, is certain, you know, we find industrial designs takes on average a whopping. 3.5 times longer than anticipated. Uh, we find that writers are always late uh, in sub submitting the uh, manuscript. Uh, so w what we're seeing is that there is a an underestimation as to how long time, how long a particular uh, task will take us. And uh, there were two psychologists, Daniel Kenman and Amos Tzavitki, two giants in psychology and behavioral economics and in 1979 they had a paper and they pointed out that we humans have a weird habit that when thinking about the future instead of being logical and analytical we often rely on our gut feeling mm. and the catch is our guts aren't always right uh, they make mistakes not just random slut-ups uh, they follow a pattern revealing our inherent biases uh, so taking planning is a focal point then these two psychologists highlighted a frequent hiccup. You know, think about scientists and writers, they've missed their deadlines more times than they can count. Yet they often repeat the same scheduling uh, uh, mistake often. Uh, so the thing is that we don't actually take all the time to, to look at how long we will need. We just trust my gut feeling is this is how long I will need, or this is the amount of time it will require. And then we go with that, uh, whereas... Uh, that shouldn't be the case. So sometimes, you know, just trusting our instinct in this regard, that becomes one of the problems. Okay, Jazakallah for that. As uh, Mufti Sab explained, the reason why we, we, we very often get these things wrong, you know, we think that, okay, I just need maybe about two or three days or maybe certain tasks, two or three hours. But uh, because we haven't planned properly and we just, as Mufti Sab said, you know, we just go with this gut feeling. We don't exactly plan for it and that is why we so often get it wrong. Now, Mufti Sab, what are the reasons behind the mishaps in planning? Yeah, so the mishaps in planning is called a planning fallacy. Hmm. A planning fallacy. Now, let's get to the nuts and bolts of the planning fallacy. You know, what's driving these planning mishaps? Uh, they are cognitive biases. So the first thing is, you know, what is termed as an optimism bias, where a person thinks everything is rosy, everything, uh, uh, you know, will fall in place. We humans are confident, uh, and in fact, 93% it shows uh, a study of Americans, uh, uh, they genuinely believe they could uh, outdrive most others on the road. 
90% of teachers are convinced they're teaching, uh, they're the best teachers. The truth is, though, that statistically, we, can, we can't all be above average, yet our brains love to think that whatever we touch turns to gold. So one of the things that we get our planning wrong is that we have this idea that everything is uh, rosy, and this is termed as the optimism bias. Then the second thing is termed as the, the first impression sticks bias, you know, an anchoring bias. Remember the last time uh, you stuck to the first prize thrown at you? Uh, that's the anchoring bias at play. Uh, it's a little voice in our head that says, the first piece of info we hear is the golden truth. Uh, let's say you're selling a home, and boom, the first offer is always below your expected price. Because of anchoring, the first offer looms larger in your head than it should. And then that skews your perspective, uh, you know, perspective on your home's true value. Similarly, when someone tells you, hey, this project should take this long, that estimate sticks like glue mm. overshadowing the other info that comes in. So that is the second thing which is termed as the first impression sticks. Another thing is that what is termed as the confirmation bias, the I told you so bias. Uh, this is a classic one that once our minds are made up, we tend to cherry pick info that says, yes, you got it right. So we're drawn to things that echo our beliefs and we ignore other things that don't. So it's only one reading the article that shouts, I agree with you. And then, you know, one aspect of it, and then we toss the rest away. So this is always, uh, you know, why people hang with news sources that, uh, you know, continue to uh, cheer their viewpoint. Uh, and anything that suggests anything different, then that is wrong. So that is the third reason. Then the third is what is termed as being, being there, seeing that bias the representative uh, bias. So uh, what it means is that, you know, we sort of think that uh, we stereotype things. Yeah. Uh, you know, spot someone or something that fits into our mental image, our brain goes, ah, I've seen this before, and bingo, we judge on pre-existing pictures overlooking the unique details. So uh, these are some of the things that cause these biases in our mind, what we've spoken about, the optimism bias or the anchoring bias, the confirmation bias, uh, or the being there, seeing that bias. Okay, Jazakla, for that, Muftisab, as Muftisab has explained, you know, the reasons why we have these mishaps <clears throat> in planning. It's these various different types of biases that we go through, uh, and that is what causes us, uh, even though we might be planning, but um, we sometimes get sidetracked because of these different issues that we go going through, these biases that creep in. Uh, uh, maybe a last question for Trema uh, uh, on this particular topic, Muftisab, but a very interesting topic, uh, a, a question rather, is that how can we be a better planner? How can we just, you know, just do it so much more better? Yes, so in terms of getting caught into these different biases, like we spoke about, you know, the one, the first one where the person is over-optimistic. So right. what we need to do is sometimes... Uh, we need to, yes, a sprinkle of optimism is great. Uh, it's that little pep in our, in our step. But remember when, uh, you, you know, we, we, when you're learning something, when you're starting off, and uh, you, you may be starting off to ride a bicycle or something like that, and you overestimate yourself, there will be bumps along the way. So what we need to do is what could possibly jam our gears what could come as a possible opter, you know, st you know, obstacle in our, our path in this regard? So what we need to do is we need to balance our enthusiasm 
with a dash of caution. So you're setting yourself up for a smoother journey. It's like packing an umbrella for a picnic. Hopefully you don't need it, but if it does rain, then you do have your cover. Uh, so let optimism be your fuel and uh, realism be your map. So that is the first thing. The second thing is that when you're tackling anything, you know, break it down. Uh, they say, you know, like a goal without a plan, uh, that is a dream. Uh, a goal without a plan and timeline. So what you need to do is breaking things down. When you break things down, then you set a path for yourself. And like that, you are able to achieve your milestones. Uh, and, you know, when you're doing things, try to, uh, what we'll say, divide into similar types of uh, projects, ideas, do that at once. And also, you know, when you're planning, it's good to get a fresh pair of eyes in here and there, meaning uh, get a perspective from someone outside. Uh, you, when you're looking at a puzzle for hours, what happens is you can't seem to find that one, that, you know, missing slot, and you just keep glancing by it. But you get a, a fresh pair of ears, someone new, a uh, pair of eyes, someone who hasn't been looking at the puzzle, and suddenly they're able to complete it. Similarly, you know, a writer is uh, written a piece, and he reads it, 20 times, but small errors fall be between the cracks there. He doesn't pick it up. But get someone fresh to look at it, and uh, they will say, but this is a glaring mistake. How could you miss this? So, uh, yes, to sum up our discussion, w what we've been saying is that, you know, that we need to uh, balancing big dreams with realistic execution that can lead to a better outcome, uh, make less optimistic predictions, uh, break projects into milestones, Smaller detailed timelines can help you use data from past projects, learn from both successes and setbacks of the past, and seek objective third-party criticism. You know, fresh perspectives can spot overlooked details and potential flaws.